0: Yes, Mr. President, uh, Mr. Mokey. Again, um, you know the your, your, the building department generates about a million and a half dollars to the city in building permits. Correct?
1: Yes, that's uh, sometimes a little more than that lately, but that's a, a little that's more a than point. that.
0: Again, and here we are. You know, uh, we've got a ten million dollar deficit, and here we are uh, pushing money away, uh, which is a little confusing to me. And you know, the historical commission meets once a month. What are, what are you gonna? What are they gonna do when the, when there's there's forty people? They're going before them, uh, you know, with, with, with permits.
1: Why? Well, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Constance.
0: Yeah. I so, said, you know, so they only meet once a month and they you know, they, they don't, they, they don't have any funding, uh, to hire people to, uh, sit there and, and sort through of all these, you can, people could be waiting two months for a building permit.
1: Well, I don't know, uh, again, how this is going to play out, but right as far as the, the weight that you just mentioned, but right now, uh, the correspondence, and the correspondence I've been having with them—it's been going pretty well. They're getting back to me pretty quickly. And again, I, I, I know it's just started, and I know we're still working out with the kinks, but uh, um, you know, we're trying to implement this the best we can. I—I I, I certainly, as everyone knows, we we strived, and we, I think we've done a really good job of getting processing permits pretty quickly over the years. And uh, I know this could be perceived as another layer, but I think the you know the intent of this—we're trying to. Just make sure that, again, everyone's adhering to the uh, commission's guidelines and, and, and the renovations they're doing uh, on some of these historic properties are done in the manner that the city wants it to be done. And uh, moving forward, I, I can't answer for them with the timelines, but uh, so far, so good.
0: Can I ask what pr- what prompted this uh, after all these years?
1: I, I think the historic commission asked for the meeting, and I think they were just uh, had questions on, some of the uh, projects that were underway uh, with the demolition delay ordinance uh, and some that weren't going before them that they felt it should have. And when they, uh, these, uh, again, these specific bullet points that were raised during this meeting uh, came to light uh, as a big part of the meeting. And I think they wanted to uh, just review uh, why some of these uh, projects weren't falling under these bullet points and it came to a consensus of moving forward how we want to address all these things that they have. Uh, Recommendations in their pamphlet.
0: Uh, That's it, a kind of sounds like more like a bit of a power play to me than anything else. So yeah. uh, I'll, re- I'll uh, re- uh, yield the floor to my other councilors.
2: Thank you, Vice President Caviel. Uh, at this point, I recognize Councilor Marks. Uh,
3: thank you, uh, Mr. President. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Mulkey, for uh, being on tonight. Um, w- when you mentioned some projects that uh, the uh, Store Commission wanted to see come before them. Does
1: that include porches? Uh, it's, it's, a, that's one of the a good questions, Councilor Marks. And again, um, I'm just trying to, we're trying to uh, work through the in- procedures in this initial stages of these new, this new policy or the new uh, practice we have in reviewing these permits. So on the one hand, uh, some of these bullet points talk about, uh, Affecting different parts exterior of the structure, and again, there are some. There's a common section to these frequently asked questions, where they talk about uh, routine maintenance, renovation, certain types of renovations um, that does not include new porches, decks, and windows. So I think uh, as we move forward this week and next week, we we're, uh, we're going to probably get some definitive answers on that. But right now, a, a new porch or a deck is one of the things they're classifying as routine maintenance and renovations that they do not uh, need to review okay and would that also include vinyl siding uh, No I, yeah I, I do not think they need to review vinyl siding that's not one of the uh, uh, the uh, areas where they they've uh, put in this pamphlet okay and prior
3: to the meeting that you held uh, with the city administration um, you were what what items were you actually sending, was it just demolition to the historic commission or was it these generalized construction like replacement windows and porches and uh, roof lines and uh, everything else that's involved?
1: No, prior to this meeting, it was pretty much uh, demolition. It was demolition. Okay. Yes.
3: And you're saying the language that uh, states demolition delay or parts thereof, the... Or parts thereof is the issue that they're hanging their hat on, saying, "Well, this involves more than the demolition of a building."
1: Yes, I think the "or parts thereof" is really what brought into play some of these other issues they raised during this meeting, and I, and I think that's uh, that's just sort of was the wording where it said "or, or parts thereof," right? Because that so, was it's such a sorry, that's such a vague term that that's what we were trying to clarify and get some more, uh, you know, definition on your analogy.
3: It, it absolutely is a vague term, and I would ask, uh, Mr. President, if we could, uh, when uh, the Commissioner moki does arrive at whatever the standards are going to be, that he share it with the council, because I, as one member of the council, never envisioned to have residents that uh, may want to, under this demolition delay, may want to do some work on their property and have them run into a financial cost or say, you know what, it's not worth uh, doing this additional work uh, because I don't feel like waiting or going through another process. So I, as one member of the council, am extremely interested in seeing what you come out with, uh, Commissioner Mokey, and uh, if that's the case, I, I would move forward on uh, redrafting our ordinance to exclude that language of or parts thereof uh, to make sure that we're not putting an undue burden. I think we all wanna save historic property but, uh, you know, I'd venture to say 70 or 80 percent of our homes are greater than 75 years old. And uh, I don't see how logistically uh, we already have an overburdened historic commission, an overburdened building commission department. And to create another layer uh, that may discourage residents from doing work on their personal property uh, and then maybe an additional expense uh, is not something that I signed up for. And uh, I'll make sure that that doesn't come to fruition. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Max. Uh Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. And through to
4: Mr. Mokey, and I apologize if you mentioned this earlier, um, is there some sort of standard that the commission is referring to or using or utilizing that would um, put them in a position to expand the uh, application of the demolition delay ordinance this far? Is there a federal document, a state document, some sort of guideline that they're going by, or is this just kind of willy-nilly, you're going to figure it out um as we go along type of stuff
1: yes that's one of the um, items we discussed during that meeting counselor and uh it, it, that is right in their commonly asked questions pamphlet and the uh, the guidelines they refer to is a uh a guideline it's uh, the title of that is national park service guidelines um I think it sounds like it's some type of federal guidelines, but that's what they are referring to, uh, where they got these uh, different bullet points in their pamphlet. National Park
4: Service guidelines. Yes, that's right. Don't you think that would be like more applicable to log cabins in the woods than it would be about a, an urban environment with you know sixty sixty thousand people?
1: Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure how they arrived at that particular guideline, but that's that's what's in there.
4: Yeah, and, and since, you know, you, you've been around for quite a bit of time, Mr. Moki, and you've seen, um, you know, how, how this process works. I mean, is demolition delay being used as a tool to preserve housing, or is demolition delay being used as a tool to control development in the community? I mean, are we? do you, do you feel as though the application is appropriate? Do you feel as though, you know, we're, we're really going down a street um, that we're looking at preserving house, uh, preserving historic houses, or do you really think that we're going down the street saying, oh my God, this guy wants to do something. Why are we letting this happen? Let's go make it historic. Um, because I feel like everything we're doing is reactionary, Mr. President. I don't feel like there's any proact- proactive work on establishing what houses in this community would be historic until the day they get an application that they want to knock it down. Um, and I think that that's problematic. You know, um, if we're going to create historic districts and historic commissions, um, I got a phone call today from somebody who had purchased a home that I uh, applied for a demolition delay permit, and um, mm-hmm. you know they deemed the home historically significant, and they're moving to create it as a single home historic district. Um, so now here we have a person that invested a ton of money in a home. Um, you know he was ready to move in one direction, and as that he goes down that street, the game changes. Um, so I, I don't think it's fair to people, Mr. President. Quite frankly, um, you know I, I don't mind having people. Uh, Come into the community and make investments in our community and play by the rules. But I think it's unfair to people that are trying to invest and improve our community um, to have to be scratching the head and wondering what the certainty and uncertainty is going to be. Um, that coupled with the impacts this has on our homeowners, you know, uh, I'm having a very difficult time with this. And I, I think I'd, you know, be inclined to support Councilor Mark's amendment to the existing ordinance, uh, you know, should this thing not be worked out appropriately.
2: Thank you, Councilor Knight. Uh, Any other questions from the council or comments? Okay, we have a number of uh, questions and comments from the uh, public. So uh, let's see, we have um, Jennifer Keenan. If you could please have your name and address for the record.
5: Hello, Jennifer Keenan, 250 Grove Street. I'm also the chair of the Historical Commission. Thank you so much for letting me speak on this matter. Thank you. Um, So just to be very clear, our biggest concern are gut rehab demolitions that are being, you know, a permit is being filled out to have, you know, minor renovations done on a property, and then all of a sudden they are completely stripped of roof lines, exterior porches. You know, this is where uh, this um, kind of clarification stemmed from. We are not looking to put burdens on homeowners. We are not looking to prevent somebody from changing windows or door. Um, we are looking at larger challenges here. Um, you know, we've lost several properties in the past several years because a developer has filled out a permit to be one type of renovation. The permit's been approved, and then all of a sudden the house is stripped bare inside and out. We are not looking to um, police, for lack of a better word, interior renovations of any kind. We are concerned about gut renovations that take away the entire character of a house that are being slipped through the cracks um, because they are perpetrated as one type of project and then morph into something else.
4: Point of information, Mr. President? What if information cuts all night? Um, Would it not be the building department's responsibility to enforce the permits that are pulled and the plans that are approved and not that of the historical commission?
5: Yes, um, but we are not finding that that's happening.
4: So this is a reactionary response to lack of enforcement as opposed to a necessity?
5: We were asked for clarification on the demo delay ordinance back in 2018. And we provided the building uh, department with some clarification on how we feel the ordinance should be um, interpreted. And we have support from Attorney Scanlon on that as well. Um, And that's where those quote unquote, five bullet points came from, because the actual ordinance is much linear than uh, we have kind of, we've defined it and kind of put some parameters on it that are a little bit more uh, less restrictive, frankly, um, than not. So what happened was it, you know, this, um, the, it, it came, the it's, you know, though we were asked for clarification, we provided it. And then the, it it still wasn't, it, it still wasn't happening. You know, properties were being basically stripped down to their core, even with these guidelines in place from
6: 2018.
4: So it's an enforcement issue. Correct. So there really is no need to change the existing protocols. The, there is a need to invest in more rigorous enforcement.
5: Yes. We are not, uh, we have not changed anything in the ordinance at all. we um, don't have we the right have... to. Correct. Of course. Right. And the only change that was made back in 2017, as we all know, was the change from 1900 uh, to 75 years and six months to 18 months. Um, all of these same uh, kind of parameters have been in place and are still in place. Um, it is about enforcement and not any sort of change.
4: I don't know. That doesn't sound like it really aligns with the legislative intent, Mr. President, that was when it was passed um, or amended. Um, but, you know, again, I will. Uh, let the chips fall where they may and see where this leads us after Mr. Moki provides us with his comprehensive report. Um, I don't know. I gotta, it just it gives me a bad taste in my mouth, Mr. President. It doesn't feel right to me that someone can invest eight, nine million dollars in a home and then be bound by so many restrictions and levels of bureaucracy. Um, you know, especially with all the discussion that we're having about how government operates and um, the problems that we've seen in Medford relative to its housing and the reports that have come out. Um, You know, I think that uh, sometimes less government is better than more government. And um, if, in fact, you know, there is uh, this, you know, belief that there's, um, you know, systemic racism that's going on in Medford, then maybe we should have less bureaucracy, not more, right? Because if government's the problem, then why is government going to be all over everything? Um, So with that being said, Mr. President, I rest my case. I support Councilor Mox's uh, commentary, and um, I thank uh, Mr. Mokey and and Ms. Keenan for being here this evening to explain, um, you know, uh, as the legislative body, um, you know, these things come to us, and we're asked what the intent was when it was passed, and what are we trying to accomplish, and, um, you know, preserving and restoring historic homes is what we're trying to accomplish, and if we're not doing that, then we need to take a better how to look at this. Um, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. I rest my case.
7: Mr.
1: President.
2: Yes. Yes, Paul. Uh,
1: yeah, I just wanted to just uh, make a couple of comments too. I think what uh, what led to this meeting as Jennifer was saying was some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, projects that were going on. But I I think that uh, when uh, my inspectors were reviewing the ordinance, they were looking at the definition as was mentioned earlier that was in the ordinance and these bullet points that weren't uh they weren't part of the ordinance uh and that's why it would led to this uh, meeting to clarify that but the enforcement uh, they were enforcing what they felt was in the audience ordinance and after this meeting that we had about a week and a half ago uh that where we got more clarity on this this was and uh and now that they're moving forward these are all incorporated in it but i uh, they were enforcing again what what they felt was the ordinance was on the books, so um, I think that just needs to be clarified. It wasn't that they were, you know, uh, trying to be lax in performance of their duties, and uh, it's and so now that we have definite clarification and a system put in uh, put in place moving forward. Uh, you know, we have to decide how this is, but uh, the specifics of all these items are going to be enforced.
4: Make no mistake, Mr. President, uh, and through you to Mr. Moki, that this was no criticism on the work that your office does. Uh, quite frankly, I think you're probably the best run office that we have in the city of Medford. And quite frankly, uh, you're also overburdened as it is right now. And like Councilor Mark said, to add another layer of, uh, you know, duties and responsibilities and bureaucracy that you're going to be responsible for, you know, might not make sense. Uh, but I want to be clear that this was no reflection on the job that you do or your office does. I think you guys do a wonderful job. And I've always said that you're my favorite department in the city because you guys are unbelievable, responsive to the things that come up. So um, please, I hope you didn't take that the wrong way. Well,
1: I appreciate it, but I just didn't want a slight on the, anybody uh, think there was a slight on the inspectors because they were out there, uh, enforcing everything that's on the books. And, you are know, doing, a, I think, a really good job on doing this field work. But I just want to clarify that, too.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Mokey. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, Vice President Carviel. There are a number of residents that want to speak, and we will get to you in one minute. But uh, we have uh, Vice President Carviel.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. I'll be brief. Uh, to the chair, uh, Paul, can you uh, send us a, uh, uh, what those bullet points are? sure at your convenience uh, in this way and uh maybe maybe it's, it'll be helpful uh for the city council to have a, have a committee at the whole meeting with the uh historic commission to figure out where we're going with this so i'll, I'll make i'll offer that in the form of a motion also that, you, we, that we that we meet with the uh with the uh, historic commission
2: uh, do you want that to be an amendment to your original motion Co-
0: uh, Vice President Carveyone? uh yes mr president thank you
2: uh, Clark, do you have that amendment?
8: Uh, I'm working on it, Mr. President. Um, is it the Historic Commission or the Historical Commission?
0: The We're talking about the Historical Commission, correct? Okay, thank you.
4: Historic Commission, yes.
0: Historic Commission. And if and if Mr. Mokey uh, can send us the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the bullet points of, of uh, the, the new enforcement, it would be helpful to us, too, so when, when we receive calls... Uh From residents, we know uh what we're talking about because i i I myself have received probably about twenty five calls from uh different residents about about this. okay thank you
2: Thank you, Vice president Carvello. Clerk, Clarknarby, you have the uh, wording to the amendment
8: Yes uh, so Vice president Carvello's, uh amendment is to the main paper, and we still have the B paper out there as well
2: correct gotcha. okay uh let's see next speaker will be uh, the president. Council uh, so
3: next. Just if I could quickly, I know a lot of people want to speak. Absolutely. If I'm not mistaken, Council Vice President Caviello said to meet with the Historic Commission. Um, I have no problem doing that, but it's my understanding this was a directive from the administration, and uh, I think uh, the best person to have in the room would probably be the city administration as well. Uh, so we're going to get to the okay. bottom of this, Mr. President, we'll have all the so-called players in the room sounds that's good great.
0: that's fine
8: do you want me to add that
9: Councilor Marks?
2: would you like to make an amendment adding uh basically would it would be a member of the administration or do you have someone specific that you'd like to be invited whoever the city administration would like to send okay got it perfect thank you council marks okay um let's see we have uh Kelly Catallo, name and address for the record.
10: I I think I got unmuted instead.
11: Kelly Catallo, 46 Otis Street, Medford, Massachusetts. Um, Mr. President, there are 40 permits that were put on hold two weeks ago in regards to this. There are approximately 25,000 property owners in the city of Medford that are affected by this. Paul Mokey has done an exceptional job as the building commissioner, and he should be able to decide who gets a permit and who does not get a permit. In addition, some of these properties were already demoed, and this ordinance is asking for a site plan review of what they're going to put there. What does that matter if the is already demoed? How does that affect the historic commission at that point? So what I would like to ask you to do is to stop and think about everything that's going on with the housing shortage. The more government regulation that you put on housing, the less likely that housing is going to be built or that housing is going to be renovated. People should not have to invest $800,000 into a single-family house in Medford and then have to wait a month for the historic commission to give them an okay because they want to change the outside of their property. If we have a historic district, I get it. I understand not wanting historic properties to be demolitioned. I am for that. But to have this go across the board and to shut down housing production for two weeks is not acceptable. Governor Baker himself said this morning, nobody should be doing anything that's going to hinder housing production. I'm going to call the elephant out in the room. There's a property on West Street and there's a property on Park Street that some people think that they have over exceeded what they should have built on. If there's a problem, deal with the problem. Do not hold the entire community responsible for it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, Let's see, we have uh,
10: Oh. Hi, uh, Paul Fonbao, 33 Douglas. Um, I want to thank Councilor Marks and and Knight for their comments. I I really appreciate them. Uh, I can speak as both a homeowner in Medford and as a small business owner and and developer in Medford. Uh, I'm all for uh, maintaining our historic history. I love history. Um, But I think it needs to be done in a proactive way. If, If we are deciding retroactively, once a permit uh, is submitted, who, what houses are, are historic and which houses are not, we're putting a, a, a massive burden on the residents. Um, and I'm pretty sure that virtually all of us live in a house built before 1945 if we're living in Medford. And so suddenly the, the building commission has a, a huge second layer on top of it on almost every building project I would imagine in Medford. Um, and, and so that just concerns me that extending uh, time and burden on the residents I can say that the, the, the commissioner's office, uh, Paul Mulkey and his team, um, have been phenomenal. They, I do not have the ability to submit a, a permit and, and then change it without their uh, express uh, uh, approval. There's, so there's, there's no way that I can uh, submit drawings for one thing and, and do another. Uh, his inspectors have been uh, on, on top of everything, uh, reviewing everything we've ever done, and making sure that we've done exactly what we've promised uh, to do. Um, If we are adding a commission's ability to, uh, you know, add, but you want to call it six months, you want to call it 18 months, you're adding, uh, you know, thousands of dollars per month just to exist uh, in construction. And if we want to talk about over a year just to exist, uh, either the, the, you know, that's going to go back to the residents. You can't afford to hold a project in construction for 18 months, it just is not possible. And so, as a small business owner, we're small, and, and I, I've restored a couple houses in, in uh, Medford, and, and love keeping as much of the historic aspects as we can. But sometimes that's insanely cost prohibitive, um, and, and I am uh, have uh, you know concerns projects that I've done that the historic commission may not have been happy with. Quite literally, we had to brace the walls when we started demo. They they would have literally fallen over on themselves. So the houses were in such a horrible condition that. Uh, there was not possible to, to save them. Um, and, and so if we're going to uh, retroactively demand that they're, you know, deem them historic, who's going to foot the cost? Uh, the residents, the, the sellers, the buyers, uh, somewhere along the line, someone's got to foot that bill. Um, so, you know, it concerns me that we can do this after permits are submitted, that we can suddenly change the historic stature of, of a house.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Can I just
3: ask
4: the gentleman a question, Mr. President? Uh, sure. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm through you to Mr. Bell, Mr. President. Um, being a small business owner that's in this type of, uh, of world, um, what do banks do when, when you want to get financing for a project and you go into a community that has an 18-month demolition delay? What's it like to get financing on a project?
12: And- I don't
10: I don't think they would do it. I think I would have, if I had an 18-month delay, I don't think I could finance the project. It would be dead in the water, um, and the small business of myself, I'd have to go somewhere else, which would, as a resident of Medford, I love restoring houses in Medford, but if I got slapped with that 18-month delay, I'd have to walk away, which means our housing crunch still exists, that these the houses that that we're working on are, are often not habitable. Um, the reason that they are getting fully demoed in the interiors is because uh, you do not want residents living in them. Um, and those are the type of projects that are getting flagged by the Historic Commission. They're not something that uh, can be lived in by our residents as, as rentals, as apartments, or as, uh, as you know, homeowners. Um, and so, no, to answer your question, if we have an 18-month uh, burden slapped on developers or, or, or homeowners who want to do that, you're going to see home values go down and you're going to see development uh, stagger to halt. That's and, my
4: opinion. And Mr. President, through you to the gentleman, um, as a small business owner, can you tell us a little bit about the business you're doing, how many employees you employ?
10: Uh, it's my, my wife and I are the, are the primary employees. Uh, we have a, a couple of, you know, our, our construction team is, is all families. Um, and, and so, um, you know, we've got uh, our general contractor team is a, is a uh, husband, wife, and son. Uh, a plumber and electrician are, are small local operations. Um, we've been using the same. We've got a, almost a family of our own in the small business, and and so I I'm trying to keep them keep them moving. And so yeah, as a small business owner, this this scares me a lot. Um, uh, for me to operate in Medford, uh, this would be a, a major blow for my business to stay active in Medford.
4: And and again, Mr. President, three to the gentleman. Um, so. You're saying that you probably create on one gut renovation 20 jobs, 10 jobs?
10: Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I was at 15 or more. 15 or more. Okay. And these jobs all pay a living wage, I would assume? Absolutely. Uh, There is good money to be made in in all the trades. Um, And I think we should encourage more of our kids to go that direction.
4: Uh, I wish I did. (laughs) But thank you very much. Um, I appreciate you taking
10: the time, sir. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Council Knight. Thank you, Paul. Uh, next up is, I uh, believe his last name is Calvi. Help. The, uh, he needs help. I just, I just, I muted him. Wait. Okay.
9: Can you hear okay, me now? On? Name and an address me? for the record. Jim Calvi, 208-210 Forest Street, Medford. I'm one of the builders in town that's directly affected by this. I applied for a demo permit, I received the demo permit, I demoed 208, 210 Forest Street. It was an absolute wreck. What's still standing there, you can see, is a wreck. Uh, I've been denied my building permit because the Historical St- Society has stepped in and want to review all permits in the city. And right now, you cannot do anything. And I disagree with Mr. Mokey. If you want to do porch work, if you want to do a roof, they have a say on everything, that's what they're trying to get. So they've stymied the building process. And answer to Mr. Knight's question about how many people you employ, it ends up being 20 to 30 people work on these projects. I've done about 60-something projects in Medford since 1971. Uh, and what we've generated for the tax base when we take these wrecks, clean them out, we, sometimes like the previous man said, we have to gut rehab them because they're just deplorable absolutely deplorable, you wouldn't put a dog in them. And that's where this ordinance, I don't know who dreamt it up, but it's stymie development, it's stymie housing, and everybody's screaming for more housing. So I hope the council and in their infinite wisdom will change it around in a hurry because it's stopped everything in Medford right now. Thank you. Thank you. Let's
2: see, uh, we have um, Cheryl. Cheryl, can you please give us your name and address for the record?
13: We just hear from Cheryl. No, You know what? I am muted
2: two people at once. It was a Cheryl and uh, Will. I unmuted you by accident, but
13: oh, if okay. you can hang over,
2: I'll wait. <laughs> if you just get Cheryl first. I...
9: Mr. President, I believe that's me. I already spoke. I'm sorry. No,
2: no, no worries. No worries. Okay, Will, you're on. Name and address for the
13: record. William Navarre, 108 Medford Street, apartment 1B. I really share a lot of the concerns that a lot of people have already said. I agree strongly with, uh, with, with Counselor Knight's concern about how this is basically the government interfering with our productivity. And the government, I think, has a lot of important roles, rules, rules that will facilitate our cooperation at achieving common goals and that will make us all richer. That's what government is for. But right now, I'm worried that it's getting in the way of our productivity with this. It's preventing it so that uh, the housing can't be built. We have the people that are ready to build. You have the housing, you have the spots to build it. All ready to go. People people are going to be barging to move in once it's done. Let's let it happen. Now, I understand if something is legitimately historic. I agree with somebody's suggestion. Maybe let's go through and mark things historic in advance, sort of flag them. That way people know what they're getting into. They're not scared to take on a project Uh, investing in our community. I just want to point out, this quite relates to my land value tax argument. This burden occurs when you want to do something productive, be be a productive member of society. I don't think that if you buy a um, historic house and just let it rot and go to waste so that you can eventually build there later, you don't have to do uh, any... you have to do a permit for that. But if you want to do something productive, you do got to get a permit. And there are cases where the permit is legit, but we got to be careful with that because it will prevent, prevent us achieving our goals as a city if, we're, if it gets too crazy. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Uh, one minute. Cheryl, name and address for
14: the record. Hi, Cheryl Rodriguez, 281 Park Street. So I'm listening to the, these demo, the demo delay seems to be a little bit misunderstood here. The delay is at most 18 months. If the flipper that already spoke bought a house that was falling down, his delay would not last anywhere near 18 months. He would be released and allowed to demo and build. This is about bigger projects and projects that are slipping under the radar. And I've spoken to Paul Mokey about 277 Park Street, probably five, six times, because this is a flipper in our community who knows where all the loopholes are. And I hear when I go to the building of office that he's a nice guy and he's not a nice guy. He will get a permit for an interior non-structural demo so that he won't trigger any oversight. And then he'll tear off the siding, he'll sledgehammer the porches into the street. And if no one calls, he continues to work. So the person that lives next door or on the street has to keep calling every time he does something unsafe or outside of his permit to get someone to come down and check on him. So maybe you need more inspectors or maybe you need someone else to look at these plans before these projects are approved. He demoed a porch, which he wasn't allowed to demo. They called it an accident. He was supposed to restore the porch. Instead, he built a new room, another violation of his plans, a violation of the Historic Commission rules. And the penalty was he was shut down for 24 hours. And I believe he got a $1,000 fine. So they know what they can get away with, and they carry on. And what they're doing is they're taking... Moderate priced housing. The house next door were two 1,000 square foot apartments. The house cost six hundred thousand dollars. Was livable. Had two working class families living in it. He is now flipping it into two 2,500 square foot homes that he'll sell for eight to nine hundred thousand dollars each. So this is gentrification. This is not talking about end users. These are not residents buying homes and trying to change windows, porches, or decks. This is really a last-ditch effort of people saying, help us, city council. Can you work on the zoning? Can you stop the gentrification? You're pushing people out, the people in this community that we say we care about, the low-income the minority demographic are being pushed out of our neighborhoods and we're not doing anything to stop it. Somerville stopped us from being able to buy a moderately priced two family and convert it into condos because it was pushing out residents. Point of information, now, Mr. President. Point of information,
4: this isn't necessarily particularly about one project, the Park Street project, number one. Number two, Somerville also wants to charge a person that's selling their home, I think, a 2% surcharge to move out of the community. Um, so if we're using Somerville as a reference point as to what to do here in Medford, I think we're really um, going to be in big trouble. Um, so with that being said, Mr. President, I appreciate the speaker, uh, but I did want to clarify that. Um, some of the methodologies that they practice in the city of Somerville uh, come from of space. Thank you,
2: Councilman.
14: Absolutely. And a lot of the practices that we do in Medford are just reactionary because we refuse to act before it gets too late. And the Nelson Properties owns at least a dozen homes in this community and is replicating these activities across the community. There's also one on Court Street on a parcel that's probably two-thirds the size of the house next door to me going up, but the new house is the same size. I'm really concerned that the lot coverage rules are not being adhered to and this is something that you need to look at. But yes, Somerville did stop condoization. Articles are being written that say, come to Medford, buy the two families. They will not stop you from condoizing. You can easily gentrify and make lots of money. And that's why people are here. If, ha- if we care about housing, we want end users and not just high wage end users the man next door told me these would be quality people because these units would be very expensive and i would say that that is disgusting and that's not what we should want only high people that make high wages are not the only high quality people so help us please do something on zoning before it's too late thank you thank you to the historic commission for trying
2: Okay. Uh, up next, we have uh, Sam Collins. Name
15: and address for the market, Sam. Uh, Sam Collins, Arlington Street, Medford. Sorry, I can't join by a video tonight. And thanks, everybody, for your time. Um, I 100% agree with Cheryl. This city has a reputation. I'm in construction uh, uh, 20, I don't know, 20-something years now. Uh, I am in residential now. Uh, Medford has a reputation for doing nothing against aggressive contractors and not requiring really any demands of them. Nelson, in particular, is brutal around here. And in my opinion, he has to be stopped. He is trashing my block and our neighborhood. But uh, I'm not going to take the council's and everybody's time with that tonight. Um, the, the aggressive contractors have to be put in check, the flippers. Um, and we need to develop a reputation for preserving uh, home, houses and homes for our, our most at-risk residents. Uh, again, I'm totally in agreement with everything Cheryl said. Uh, With that being said, with the the demo delay, I agree that's being misinterpreted. Uh, You really won't have a problem if you have a hardship, as I understand it. Uh, We do need more inspectors and somebody to really push the enforcement. This isn't an enforcement issue. Uh, Counselor Knight is correct. This is an enforcement issue, but it's not happening uh, for whatever reason, and at least Historic is trying. So I appreciate everybody's time. That's all I have to say. Sam, thank you very much.
2: Okay, up next is, uh, we have uh, Jennifer
16: Keenan. I
5: think you unmuted the wrong, Jennifer.
2: Sorry. Uh, Jennifer <laughs> hey. Keenan,
5: Thank you, President Falco. Again, 250 Grove Street Chair of the Medford Historical Commission. I look forward to continuing this conversation in a committee of the whole meeting. I just would like to make a couple of final points on this matter. Um, first and foremost, we have no intention of dragging out any sort of review past the normal 30-day process that anybody that applies for a building permit, it, 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 that's how long the building department has to get back to them. So we are prepared to turn these around within 30 days so that there is zero delay to the person applying for the permit. Secondly, we did not ask for any permits to be stopped issuing. Zero, that did not come from us that was a decision that the commissioner made that he felt was in the best interest of his department in order to um, get a handle on the situation. We've had extremely positive and productive calls. We've spoken almost every day in the past 10 days, and we are committed as a group to work this out for the better of the city. I have flagged potentially 10 addresses at most for Mr. Moki to look at and just to ask for Uh, bigger clarification on, so that they can either come before us or not. We have had one demo case in the past six months come before our board. One. And how many projects have, have taken place during that time? And just finally, President Falco, I did send you our letter earlier today that outlines some exact cases and the 2018 memorandum Uh, that we had uh, given to the building commissioner at that time. So I would you know, please, of course, circulate that to the rest of the council. And um, again, look forward to continuing the conversation in the committee meeting. Thank you very much.
2: Jennifer, thank you for sending that. I haven't had a chance to check email since probably early this morning. So what I'll do is I will uh, make sure that I circulate a copy of that to the uh, council so they can see that. But thank you for uh, sending that along. Uh, we appreciate your comments. And now I'd like to, I believe, uh, Jennifer Kerwood. Hi, Jennifer Kerwood, 43 Willis Avenue.
17: Thank you for letting me speak. Um, I would like to say that I agree with Sam and Cheryl and I appreciate um, Jennifer. Um, I personally have cringed while walking down Manning Street and South Street at the little yellow doll houses, as I call them. It seems like our desire for housing is, is sort of, um, I don't know, it, while I, I completely understand it, I, I feel like there is something to be said for having historic homes and, and keeping a, sort of a personality to the neighborhood. I do understand that people are afraid of restrictions and regulations, but I, you can work with them and I think that that's really possible. And I think that people need to familiarize themselves with what um, what these regulations actually entail, and that we shouldn't be afraid of what we what, you know what we don't know about. It seems like people didn't fully understand what is involved, and I think that that needs to be addressed. Thank you.
18: Thank you.
2: Uh, next up is. I believe Dave McKillop is uh, on the line. there he is. Dave, I'm trying to unmute you. Name and address for the record, please. Dave, we can't hear you. I can't hear you still. Let me try it. Let me try. Unmute. Okay, you're unmuted. Let's, can you try again? We still can't hear you, Dave. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, let's see. Any other questions or comments from the public? Okay, hearing and seeing none. Mm-hmm. Clerk Ardebil, can you read off the? I believe there are a number of resolutions, and uh, or uh, there's a there's definitely a B paper and a resolution. Can you name up that? Can you actually read the B paper back?
8: The B paper is from Councilor Knight. Uh, he's requesting an answer to the question: Since amending the demolition delay ordinance, how many homes have been saved and restored to to a historic state?
2: Okay, do we have a second many, on
8: the
4: rest? How many homes that were subject to demolition delay were restored?
8: Okay, how many
2: so- homes subject to Demit?
0: I'll second that motion, Mr. President.
2: Seconded by Vice President Caviello. Clerk please call the roll. Second.
8: On the B paper, Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight? Yes. Council Marks? Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco?
2: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero on the negative. The motion passes. It was a main motion, I believe, it was offered by Vice President Caviello and amended by Vice President Caviello. Were there any other, were there any other amendments to that motion?
8: There was a clarification to the to, to uh, Vice President Carabiello's amendment, uh, Councilor Marks. In addition, in addition to the uh, committee, the whole meeting with the uh, with the historical commission also wanted someone from the administration to be invited to that committee, the whole meeting.
0: Okay, that's correct. And uh, Mr. Clerk, if you can make sure that uh, the the uh, the power of the building commissioner to send us uh, yes, all the, the bullet points.
8: Yes, the uh, the the bullet points on the new on the new uh, procedures
0: thank you
2: okay so that's the uh on the resolution by uh vice president caviello as amended by vice president caviello and amended by councillor marx and seconded yep. by seconded by does anybody want to second the resolution second seconded by councillor scarpelli clerk please call the roll council bears
0: yes
8: vice president carabiello yes Councilor knight Yes. yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council morrell Yes. Councillor Scarpelli.
2: Yes.
1: President Falco.
2: Yes. Seven so the affirmative zero and the negative. The motion passes.
1: Mr. President. Could I yes. get a minute to uh put a little point of information, please?
2: Uh
15: yes.
1: Yeah, just I'm I just one minute quick I'd like to respond to some of the comments that some of those people made uh that was simply not true. Uh, As you, as everyone in the council knows, our office last year alone issued over 2,200 permits. And we'd like to be out to the uh, sites more often, but we can't get to everywhere in the city uh, every day. Uh, The question about lock coverage, not being compliant, that's absolutely false. Anybody that has any questions is more than welcome to come in or go online to our new permit online software. And you can take a look at the plans yourself and that particular individual with the lock coverage that's not true, and she knows it. It's been pointed out several times. And as far as a, ge- a comment, the other gentleman may be lax on uh, contractors. Uh, again, uh, the code enforcement every year issues many fines. There's many court cases and hearings they have. Uh, and if you think we're just uh, looking the other way or we're not enforcing uh, these so-called bad contractors, we're not enforcing law with them. We enforce the law equally, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. And so some of those statements are not true, and it's not fair to my department, who was all over the place every day and on weekends and were called out by the fire department to imply that they're just not um, going after bad contractors. That's not true. And uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here when I'm saying that to the council, but I just really needed to respond to those comments. And I, I appreciate you giving me the time to say that. Paul,
2: well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, Clerk Hernebees. So before, actually, I think before we, uh, started the last resolution did you say that we had uh, uh was it mr jankowski on the line
8: uh
4: yes that's correct is he mr. still Payne. on the line motion to take the national grid permits from the table mr president uh, you want to suspend the rules Council night hang on let's we'll make sure he's still
8: there he's still on okay and the motion to
2: Council night to suspend the rules uh to take the two national grid permits seconded by second vice president cabiello clerk please call the roll
8: Council Bears? Yes. Vice President Carabiello? Yes. Council Knight? Yes. Council Marks? Yes. Council Morel, Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. And President Falco?
2: Yes. 70 affirmative, 0 the negative, the motion passes. Uh, quick turn of if I may. Was that 20 479 and 20 480?
8: believe that's correct. Hang on just a second. 479-480, yes.
6: Perfect.
2: Okay. Notice of a public hearing, 20-479, legal notice, petition for grant of location National Grid of North Andover, Massachusetts, in Verizon, New England Incorporated, Medford, Massachusetts, City Clerk's Office. You are hereby notified that by order of the Medford City Council, a public hearing will be given via Zoom at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, July 28, 2020, on a joint petition of National Grid Incorporated, here, Verizon New England Incorporated for permission to locate poles, wires, and fixtures, including the necessary sustaining and protecting fixtures along and across the public way hereafter named, to be located substantially in accordance with the plan, Marked 29569. Information, Mr. President,
4: I do believe you read this once already. We are just taking it off the table. I think we can go right into the presentation, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
2: you actually, know, you are correct. This is the one I did read. So I apologize. We can save ourselves a little bit of time. Uh, so. Let's see, we do have a member from, uh, I believe it was a was it National Grid or Verizon.
8: I just unmuted Mr. Jankowski from, from National Grid.
2: Okay, so uh, let's see. This, I declare this public hearing open, open to those in favor of the petition. Uh, anyone in favor of the petition is now can now speak. Uh, is there anybody uh, that would like to speak um, in favor of the petition? Mr. Jankowski, let's see. Adam, if you see him, can you uh,
8: un... I, I unmuted him. Okay. I have- uh,
2: Mr. Jankowski, name and address for the record, please. Glenn is he, uh...
8: I can, uh- I can try calling him again if you'd like, but
2: (laughs) Yes, please.
4: Most revert back to the regular business, Mr. President.
15: Do yeah, you the motion of
2: Council Knight to revert back to the regular order of business? Seconded by. Second. Be council appears, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Clerk to
8: Sorry, Mr. President. I was on the phone with Mr. Jankowski. He's, tr- he's still trying to he's still trying to talk for some reason he can't he can't uh,
2: answer: So we're going to refer back to the regular order business so you can please call the roll
8: Okay.
2: That was by council night seconded by consular Bears.
8: Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councillor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. yes. President Falco.
2: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. We will now revert to the regular order of business. Motions, orders, and resolutions. 20 492 offered by Vice President Carabiello. It resolved that the Medford City Council instruct that the mayor, police chief, and fire chief address the weekend parking issues in the Pine Ridge Road in the, Pine Ridge Road in the interest of public safety and neighborhood interests. We have further resolved that the city solicitor provide an opinion on private ways in the city of Medford and what rights the residents of these streets have and don't have. Vice President Carviello.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, not a weekend goes by. Uh, that I, my phone doesn 't ring off the hook on the Saturday and Sunday uh, from the, the the residents of Pine Ridge in that whole area um, with the inundated of parking uh, from people that are going over to the lakes um, i've gone down there myself on many occasions uh, that 's a two lane road. You can barely fit one car down there uh, because the par- they park on both sides of the street. And and the worst part is it is a debt that they're they're just parking there. Uh, When they leave, they leave all their trash behind. And it's not the fate of those residents in that area. They have to go through this every single summer uh, 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 during this time. Uh, Winchester had a similar problem. Uh, They addressed it and they made no weekend parking all the the way around uh, where the Winchester Boat Club is because they were getting inundated. Uh, But I said, uh, drive down there on a Saturday and Sunday, you'll, you'll count the 150 cars parked all the way down Pine Ridge, all the way down to the other end, and they are going on to the other, on, on to the other streets uh, uh, all in that area. So uh, these people need some kind of help uh, on the weekends. Uh, you know, up on uh, Fulton Street, uh, up by the top of Fulton Street where, where, uh, by Rice Pond, and up by the Fells, uh, the MDC, uh, the DCR puts out uh, – uh, horses, so people don't park in, on the, all those streets. I, I can't understand why uh, these people can't get the same relief uh, uh, on, the, on, on their streets also. So, and again, uh, if there was ever a fire down there, there's no way you're feeding a, tr- a fire truck down that street because, as they say, they're, because they're so clogged. And let's say, plus uh, the, the, the neighborhood is just being overrun. So it's about time that uh, the city step up and help these people out, Mr. President.
2: Thank you, Vice President Carviello. Councilor Knight.
0: Mr. President, thank you very much and
4: through you to the sponsor of this resolution, thank you as well. Um, Was it last week or the week before maybe that the uh, city administration announced uh, a pilot program? In this pilot program, I believe was called the Shared Streets Initiative, Mr. President. And the Shared Streets Initiative, the goal was to close certain streets to um, vehicular access, except for those that uh, require local access only, um, to allow for some relief during the COVID-19 crisis um, to ensure that people can participate in recreational activities while also remaining socially distanced. If we look at where Pine Ridge Road is, road is located, it's right along the Mystic Valley uh, River, uh, right along the Mystic Valley Parkway by the lake. Um, this is a recreational area and a recreational uh, destination spot Um, so it might make sense Mr. President for us to look at Pine Ridge Road as one of those streets that we limit to local access only so that the residents in the neighborhood um, can partake in recreational activities while also um, being safe and uh, also protecting the neighborhood Um, where you know we see a lot of -of out-of-towners a lot of people come to Medford to utilize the many amenities and resources that we have, and um, you know one of the best resources that we have are the Mystic Lakes, um, a ton of open space, uh, you know, a ton of protected land um, that our surrounding communities don't necessarily have. So people come here as a destination to partake in these amenities. Um, but in the process of that, we are seeing an impact in our neighborhoods. So I think that expanding the Shared Street or piloting the Shared Street Program along Pine Ridge Road is something that would be um, worthy of exploring, Mr. President, and I'd uh, ask, ask the administration to do such in the form of an amendment.
2: Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, any other questions or comments from the Council? Uh, President Carbiello.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, in the meantime, if, uh, if the city or <coughs> all the TCR could, could put up uh, barriers uh, on Saturdays and Sundays to give these people some kind of relief, it would be a, a, gr- a great help to them. Uh, again, uh, people people leave their house on a, uh, on a Sunday or Saturday. They come home. They can't. They have nowhere to park. Their, their driveways are blocked, uh, and they and they and they and they can't get back into their homes. So something has to be done uh, for these people uh, in uh, for in 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 the short term, uh, at least uh, for for right now, Mr. President.
2: Thank you, Vice President Carviello. Would you like to add that as an amendment? Yes, I would. Okay. Thank you, uh, Clerk Carnaby. If you could please add that as an amendment to the main resolution,
8: I've got an have got an amendment from from Vice President Carvey. and an amendment from Council Marks. Councilor Knight. I'm sorry, Councilor Knight.
2: No problem. Uh, let's see. Any other questions or comments from the council? Okay. Any other questions or comments from the general public?
4: Actually, do have a question. Councilor Knight. Um, I know, Councilor Caviello mentions in um, his paper that Pine Ridge Road could potentially be a private way. It is a private way. It is a private way. I know in the past um, the council had requested um, a paper from city solicitor, Ben City Solicitor Rumley relative to private ways, and um, I do think that document will be very helpful. So I'd like to, to point out that the council is uh, you know, going down the right track and trying to come up with a solution, I think. Um, I do believe that the residents of the private way um, do have the right to implement certain controls like um we've seen in other areas uh um, mamola way comes to, to mind um so with that being said mr president thank you very much i just wanted to clarify that so thank you thank you council
2: Knight. any other questions or comments from the public okay seeing and hearing none uh, on the motion of vice president Carviello uh as amended by council Knight, and as amended by vice president carriello and seconded by second Second by Council of Bears. Clark Hredemis, please call the roll. Councilor
8: Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
2: Yes. 7-8 affirmative, 0 the negative. The motion passes. Two zero 493 offered by Councilor Morrell. Be it resolved that the City of Memphis requests that the DCR add an additional crosswalk crosswalk on Elm Street where it intersects the entrance for Wright's Pond to increase the safety of pedestrians traveling to and from the pond. Be it further resolved that the City of Memphis requests that the DCR repaint the existing crosswalks on Elm Street. Councilor Murrell.
16: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I had a number of residents reach out to me about this. I mean, this harkens back to a conversation we had earlier in the night where you can just insert street name and I almost saw someone get hit by a car trying to cross here. Um, this is obviously an issue at Wright's Pond where especially this year um, with the permitting being a little bit changed, you have, might have much more frequent entrances and exits and people have to travel up or they have to travel down to the farther crosswalks, which they themselves are fading. Um, So after introducing this, I did have uh, city uh, traffic engineer Todd Blake reached out and we had a conversation. It's my understanding that the administration is looking at this, as well as Representative Donato, to try to find a solution. Um, I guess there's a few mitigating factors that it's challenging to simply add a crosswalk, and I guess some other things have been held up as a result of the pandemic hitting. So this is something that the administration is working on but I, you know, I do move for approval.
2: Thank you. On the motion of Council Morales, seconded by Council of Piers. Okay, thank you. There are a number of uh, comments. Do so we have Council Bears and Council tonight Night? Council of Piers.
19: I just want to add uh, that I fully support this. I'm a neighbor down the street on Fellsway West, and uh, we need safer crossings on Elm Street.
2: Thank you, Council of Piers. Council of Knight.
4: Um, Mr. President, this has been an ongoing problem for Gee, let me see. I think I started working for Charlie Shannon in 1999, and this was a problem then, and it's been an ongoing problem since. And um, i been working with Representative Donato over the number, last uh, several years and looking at this issue. Um, I think one of the major hurdles that we're facing is the DCR and their engineering division feels as though the gradient and the sight lines at this location by Wright's Pond are appropriate for a crosswalk. They don't meet the standards that have been established. Um, so, you know, while it'll create some pedestrian safety for crossing, I guess it creates uh, some other problems um, relative to traffic flow and uh, safety of stopping and the like, um, so this is an issue that's been ongoing for a number of years. Um, I thank the council for bringing it up, and I also um, want to recognize the fact that, you know, this is something that Mr. Donato has been working on for quite a bit of time. Um, it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, the DCR has, you know, done a mismatch of uh, enforcement applications up along the Elm Street area, whether it comes to parking along the fog line uh, and the like uh, for homes that don't have driveways and um, some other material movements to, you know, keep the pond safer, keep the area around the pond safer, um, and also address traffic infrastructure needs. Um, but right now we're seeing some changes now at the Highland Ave intersection, Mr. President, along the Fellsway, which is uh, right down the street as well. And I think these traffic improvements should help our case in uh, moving forward if they can get a traffic study done over in the city of Malden and address some of the concerns that they have over there um, right down the street from us in an area that's not abutting one of our most popular recreational activ- uh, recreational centers then I think it's important that we pursue this. Um, I think Councilor Marx was on the right track um, when he spoke about a traffic study uh, and the need for a traffic study uh, o- over in the Glenwood area or Medford over um, in Mr. Serino's house and the like and um, I don't think we're going to be able to accomplish uh, the goals that we want to accomplish in this area um, without our own. Um, so I'd like to amend the paper and request that our traffic engineer uh, conduct an independent traffic study or con- tra- conduct an informal traffic study on behalf of the city of Medford um, to uh, begin to formalize arguments against uh, the state's rejection uh, that's been well publicized in the past. Um, so with that being said I offer that in the form of an amendment Mr. President and I thank the sponsors for bringing this matter forward. Thank you
7: Consulate.
0: Uh Vice President Carviello. Thank you Mr. President. Mr. President you know uh, I think we all know this is an ongoing problem uh, you know, the biggest problem is the entrance to rice ponds. It's on the, it's on a blind turn. So, <coughs> uh, to put a crosswalk there would be very dangerous, but what it should have is uh, a light, uh, further up. So with a, with a push button. So when people want to cross, uh, the, the light would stop maybe 10 to 15 yards away with that would stop the cars, uh, be, as the people are crossing, uh, or maybe they should, maybe we should look at some point changing the entrance. Uh, of Wright's Pawn, so it's not directly on the turn. Um, so when, when cars come down, they, they, they won't see anybody in the crosswalk. That's really the biggest issue there. Thank you, Vice President Carvillo. Uh, Councilor Morrell.
16: Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I just want to um, add that I, I thank my fellow counselors for their design ideas and in talking with uh, the uh, traffic engineer and his areas of expertise. I, I understand that they're looking at the many ways they can approach this um, to be in compliance with, you know, certain ADA things, the sight line, all of that. I, they're definitely working on getting creative to make this um, a much safer crossing, Whether the existing crossings, adding this crossing if possible. So I think the ideas are definitely there. And to Councilor Knight's point, it's just uh, making it happen.
2: So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Morrell. Any other questions or comments from uh, the council or councilors? Okay. Any other questions or comments from the public? Let's see, we have uh, Marshall. Name and address for the record, please, Marshall.
20: Yeah, Marshall Mouton, 033 Waterville. Uh, I run all the streets around the fells and this one is by far the scariest crossing. Um, I almost got hit by a car and for the longest time I couldn't understand why. I couldn't get cars even to stop for me during rush hour. Um, I would sometimes like wave a stick out into the street like please stop and repainting the crosswalk will not do anything. you cannot see the crosswalk uh in a car as you approach it uh I didn't realize that until uh I approached it in a car finally, um, but you just cannot see it uh The two signs are small you know there's all sort there's it's just not i think it needs to be reimagined um, furthermore uh I think. I'm really glad to hear that the traffic engineer is thinking about this comprehensively, uh, because there are a number of confusing factors on this road. You have a 25 mile mile an hour speed limit, then a speed light thing that flashes only when you're above 35, and then a 30 mile per hour speed limit five feet ahead of that. And it's just, it's a mess right now and really, really dangerous. Um, So I am glad that we're thinking about this. I think uh, we need to go beyond painting, probably beyond another crosswalk, because getting cars to stop is the problem. Um, And then finally, to tie it into some of the other conversations that have been uh, going on tonight, I think if we're looking to limit parking at places of recreation, uh, right, Mystic River and the Fells, those are kind of the two gems of recreation within outdoor recreation in our community. Uh, we need to really make sure that if parking is limited, then the neighbors who live in those spaces can easily and safely access those places without a car. Um, I think that really needs to happen. Uh, I purchased a car solely so I could safely get to Wright's Pond and the Fells. And it's like a mile away. You know, I can get there easily, just not safely with uh, my dog, my partner, all of those things. So I think that's, uh, that's a really important consideration. Thanks.
2: Thank you. Uh, any other questions or comments uh, from the public? Okay uh council like to thank you for bringing this forward as someone who lives up in this neighborhood uh i think any type of public safety improvements that we can make up on elm street uh should be looked at uh this is as the councilors have mentioned i know since i've been on the uh city council even before that this has been an issue but it's something that we need to you know make sure that we keep an eye on and, and hopefully if we can work with the state uh i know uh representative donato's been working on this for a while um you know any 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 public safety improvements that we can we can make in this area uh will, be, will benefit everyone it can be very dangerous that uh, driveway going in and out of Wright's pond is in a it's in a really difficult position because it's really a blind spot uh, but we need to make sure we keep keep it on the radar we need to make sure that we uh you know really look at every possibility we can to make it safe for everyone to exit and enter that um to uh the pond so uh thank you for bringing this forward on the motion of Councilor of Morel, seconded by Councilor Bears, as amended by Councilor Knight, Clerk Bernabees, please call the roll.
8: Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
2: Yes. 7 affirmative. Zero in the negative. The motion passes. 20-497 offered by Council of Bears. Whereas systemic racism is an ongoing public health crisis that necessitates urgent action and whereas statements of solidarity and support can begin to address the history of racism and discrimination in our community. And whereas residents of Medford have requested that the city take this action now, therefore be resolved by the Medford City Council that the City of Medford will hang a banner reading Black Lives Matter on the front of Medford City Hall. Council of Bears.
19: Thank you, Mr. President. I bring this resolution before the Council today at the request of hundreds of residents who've asked that we hang a Black Lives Matter banner on Medford City Hall. Oh. This moment of uprising and reckoning with our history of white supremacy and racism demands it. As my fellow counselors in the public know, many communities have placed similar banners on schools town halls, and other city buildings to show solidarity, respect, and support for the movement to address the ongoing structural racism that has been tearing families and communities apart in this country for centuries. We've seen protests and demonstrations for Black lives in our community, thousands of people standing up in person, online, through lawn signs and conversations to say no more, to say that we will not sweep this under the rug or treat this as a side issue when we know we can't move forward as a nation, as a community, or as a human family without permanent transformative change on the issues of structural racism and economic inequity. I expect we will have a robust discussion tonight. I hope it does not include any conspiracy theories that have been being forwarded around about this being some sort of fundraising front for the Democratic Party. Um, And I also expect to hear the need to take action and not just say more words and the assertion that this is about symbolism and not about substance. I would agree that it's about time that we dive deeply into charter review, rethinking how we elect elected officials in an all at large way uh, that diminishes racial representation and has been struck down by courts and other Massachusetts communities. I would agree that it's about time that we transform our city's zoning and really root out the history of racial bias and zoning that permeated the zoning process when zoning was last reviewed in the city decades ago. Action is necessary. These are urgent projects on the path of transformation, and they will take time but words matter. Words matter. What we say matters. How we convey our support to the community matters. And I hope that by saying these words, we spur ourselves to take on the bigger things that we have to do as well. We know and we've heard from Black parents and children and grandparents and brothers and sisters and neighbors and friends, from our neighbors and friends and residents of color, that this community has caused harm, that many have felt exclusion and disillusion and persecution in this community. I can never understand that. But when I try to even imagine the thousand stabs and paper cuts that our coworkers, neighbors, and friends of color experience on a daily basis, I can't begin to describe the horror that I feel. And I want every black parent, every child of color, every person in this community to know and to see when they walk by our city hall, the seat of power in this community, that we stand with them, that we hear them, that we will listen to them, talk to them, and empower them to lead this fight and fight alongside them, undaunted and undeterred. If my best friend experiences racist treatment, which I've seen over and over when we've been together, and then drives by our city hall, I want him to look up and see that we know that his life matters, and that we are working to make that truly alive and real for everyone who calls Medford home. I wanna look up and know that. Mr. President, that's why I put forward this resolution why I and many others think this is a necessary and overdue step and why I ask for my colleagues' support. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Councilor Bears. Let's see, uh, Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah,
16: I wanna thank Councilor Bears for bringing this forward. I have a few comments on this, if uh, I could just read them off. Um, So some people will say this is symbolism and I definitely agree. It's symbolic of the commitments that we've made as a city and this is the easy thing. If we can't do the easy thing, how will we do the hard work? How will we ensure that in 5, 10, 15, 25, 50 years, we're not right back here, having done nothing of substance and learned nothing? So the uncomfortable truth is that for far too long, this country has said that Black lives do not matter. Through disparate health outcomes, through housing discrimination, and unequal rates of school suspension, arrests, and imprisonment. We say they do not matter. We said they do not matter by saying that all men are created equal, but in fact, not meaning Black men. So through chattel slavery, segregation, limiting voting rights, and Jim Crow, we have said that black lives do not matter, which is why we must now state unequivocally that black lives do matter. To say so is not a political act. It's a statement of human rights. We've declared systemic racism a public health crisis in this city. And perhaps if we have a reminder in front of City Hall every day, we will make good on the work that is needed to actually address this crisis. And for this, I support this measure. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Councilor Merle. Uh, any other questions or comments from the Council? Okay, uh, let's see. So um, on the motion of Council of Bears, I know a number of people have their hands up, but uh, on, the mo- on the motion of Council of Bears, is 7-2nd?
4: If I may, Mr. President? Councilor Mike. Um Is there a policy in place that the administration abides by it goes by relative to the signing of uh, the hanging of signs and banners on city hall
21: uh,
2: I am not aware of one
4: um. I just I, I support you know what, what councillor Bears is saying I say, you know black lives do matter I have no problem saying that um, but I do have a concern when what happens when the next group comes down and says we want to hang our sign on city hall too What, what, are the, what are the parameters, what are the guidelines, what are the criteria that the administration is going to put into play? Ultimately, we're not the body that's in charge or control of hanging anything on any city building. We're the legislative body. We're responsible for money and zoning, um, you know, ordinances. So in looking at, you know, how this is going to play out and going forward. So what are we doing? We're telling the mayor, hang the sign. And the mayor is going to go, well, I have a policy that says I will. I have a policy that says I won't. There is no policy. We're working on a policy. I think it's important to know what the rules of the game are. Mr. President?
3: Marx. Yeah, marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. And I, too, have a statement tonight that I'd like to read. Um, I first heard the phrase Black Lives Matter back in 2012 when Trayvon Martin was shot to death. After that, Michael Brown, a young African-American, was shot by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Then another African-American, Eric Garner, died after being put in a chokehold by the New York City police officer. These incidences and many others leading up to George Floyd's murder this year have led me to understand how the seeds of slavery, discrimination, and prejudice continue to threaten the ability of Black Americans and others to equally enjoy the freedoms that we profess as a country. So I am proud to join with so many others and state that Black Lives Matter. I do so with the desire that in making this statement, it will facilitate the clear acknowledgement of the destructive effect that discrimination and prejudice has had and continues to have in our country. And my hope will, will encourage all Americans to work to erase inequality. But as we consider this resolution, I have an important question for the mayor about hanging banners on public buildings, such as City Hall. My question is directed at the mayor because she has full authority over this building. My question is this, what standards or procedures does the mayor use in deciding what signs or messages will be placed on City Hall. The reason that I ask this question is because the right to use a government building to display a message is not unlimited. This is especially true if the building is a public forum, like City Hall. If the mayor is going to allow City Hall to be used to display various messages, then the First Amendment requires that the city not discriminate among various messages or points of view. Any standard applied by the city must be content neutral. An example would be if a pro-life group wanted to hang a banner on City Hall. The city could not prohibit that, and nor could it prohibit a pro-choice group from also having its banner placed. So you can see that we should receive from the mayor a description of what the standards she applies and hanging banners. Otherwise, we could be at risk of turning City Hall building into a billboard battle zone of conflicting and possibly polarizing messages. In method we have experienced the impact that banners and signs have on our rights. It was just two years ago when this council voted to stop using the VFW building on Mystic Ave as a voting location because some voters stated they were less inclined to vote because of a sign displayed on the building. I mention this because City Hall itself is used as a voting location. So before we vote on a resolution, I am simply asking my council colleagues that we we request that the mayor give us a full description of the standards or procedures she uses in determining what banners or signs will be allowed to be placed on City Hall. Having the mayor respond is a prudent and reasonable step to take when First Amendment and other rights are involved. So at this point, Mr. President, I would offer a motion to receive and place on file the original resolution of paper 20-497, and I offer a motion requesting that the mayor provide the council with the full description of the standards or procedures the mayor uses in determining what banners or signs will be allowed to be placed on city hall thank you
8: thank you councillor Marks. uh clerk hernabies do you have the um i um i lost a good chunk of what he what council marks said after he moved to to receive and place on file Councilor would
2: you mind uh, reading that back
8: to the clerk? Not,
3: not at all. Thank you. So it would be uh, a motion requesting that the mayor provide the council with a full description of the standards or procedures the mayor uses in determining what banners or signs will be allowed to be placed on city hall. So the first motion was to receive and place on file the original resolution, which is paper 20-497. And then the motion was what I just offered, Mr. Clerk.
2: Thank you. Okay, thank you Councilor marks uh we have uh let's see we have vice president carviolo and then i believe Councilor Beers after that uh vice president carviolo
0: thank you mr president you know mr president um i thank Councilor marks uh for bringing that forward uh because it is a it is a, a a good test to see where uh what goes up there and what does it in the past we've seen uh community events up there um non-profit organizations and things like that uh again uh to to make it a, to make this uh, building a billboard for all kinds of things, it would be uh, a travesty. And you know, and people, some people say that we have too much on there now as it is. Uh, so, again, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll second Councilor Marks's uh, motion to receive the placement file until we get a a definition from the mayor to uh, what what the rules and regulations are to put a sign on City Hall.
2: Thank you, Vice President Carriello. Uh, let's see, we have Council of Beers and then Council of Night. Council of Bears.
19: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, yeah, I was actually going to, to make a similar point that there have been a variety of um, banners with co-logoed with the city and private organizations. Um, so I'm not sure what the policy is. I'm certainly interested to see what the policy is. Just specifically on the First Amendment argument and the idea that the City Hall could become a billboard. Um, the First Amendment is designed to protect people uh, citizens of the united states and it's incorporated to the commonwealth of massachusetts through the 14th amendment um, from the government interfering with the private right to communicate Um, the government has not offered city hall as a billboard uh, to anyone it's not that any citizen could just come and apply to put whatever banner up that they want as far as i know Um, so that if such a process were to be initiated then you know there may be first amendment concerns but if the city itself is deciding how what messages to put out on city property um, and not an open input for, you know, it's not a bulletin board, right? Um, that's, that's the difference in the First Amendment. The city has a complete right to put messages up on city property. It doesn't have the right to infringe on private property. Uh, and, and the, well, the, it doesn't have the infringe, right to infringe on the uh, residents use of, of uh, their free speech or freedom of expression.
2: Mr. Thank Point of information, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Bears. Point of information, Councilor Marks.
3: I appreciate Councillor Beers bringing that up. I just want to draw to light, Mr. President. There was a recent court case just entered in the U.S. District Court on July 1st, uh, 2020. And it's the case of Judicial Watch versus the mayor of D.C. And uh, on June 5th of this year, Mr. President, artists, demonstrators, residents, and employees of D.C. Uh, painted Black Lives Matter on 16th Street in Washington, D.C., The next day, June 6th, protesters painted Defund the Police next to Black Lives Matter. Uh, The mayor of DC, Muriel Bowser, uh, supported the painting on the street, but there was no permit or approval process. Judicial Watch then wrote to Mayor Bowser and asked that their motto, because no one is above the law, be painted on another street of the similar size. In its letter to the mayor, Judicial Watch said, it has tried to find procedures for getting approval for painting a message on a street near its offices, but could not find any procedures or permit process. The deputy mayor then wrote back to Judicial Watch and said that it should apply for a permit. Judicial Watch then checked out the District of Columbia's website, but could not find a permit process uh, to paint on a street, And when it contacted the Public Works Department, it was told, we never heard of that permit. Judicial Watch then entered the lawsuit alleging a violation of its First Amendment rights. The basis for its claim is the mayor favors one message over another and that the city does not have any standards or procedures in place. So I I just want to make it be known, Mr. President, I think it's prudent that this council move forward to find out what are the standards and what are the procedures, Mr. President, because clearly anything could be challenged. And, and clearly that uh, if we do open up messaging on City Hall, it will open up other First Amendment rights and other concerns. And I think it's only prudent that we move forward as a community uh, and make sure that if the mayor decides, and I agree with Councilor Knight, um, this is totally under the mayor's purview. This has nothing to do with the council. And uh, if Councilor Beers wanted to move this forward for the past six months, he could have approached the mayor at any given time and had that discussion with the mayor. He opted to come before a body that has no input, and that's his prerogative. But uh, unless he already approached the mayor and the mayor denied him of the sign, which I'm not sure, but clearly, uh, the city administration has control as well as the building commissioner of the buildings, and it's not the city council. But I'm willing, Mr. President, to find out what the rules and regulations are
2: and move that forward. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Uh, let's see, we have a council night and then Councilor Bears. Councilor Knight.
4: Um, yes, Mr. President. Um, you know, it's not the subject matter of the sign that's the issue, it's whether or not the city council wants to be the repository for all the requests of what signs you want to hang on city hall absent the policy. Right. So like I said, when's it going to stop? If it's this today, you know, I'm telling you right now, we're going to have the police here in a week saying that they want to uh, police lives matter sign up there. And a week after that, they're going to be another organization that says that they want to sign up there. Um, wow. you, you know, so it's a slippery slope to, to go down, Mr. President, you know, his um, city hall is a beautiful historic building. Uh, we should be focusing on beautifying it. You know what i mean not hanging banners from it in my opinion um black lives matter i have no problem saying it um but mr president you know we're a government organization we're a government entity and we have to operate like one um, i personally don't want to sit here every week and debate the merits of what sign they're going to hang up next on city hall that's a function of the administration and there should be a policy that goes to that effect um, so with that being said i support the uh, uh the motion
19: made by councillor max thank you very much
4: thank you Councilor tonight uh Consul
2: Beers, I believe you had your hand up next. Am I correct?
19: Yeah, just a couple things. Um, I, I hear you. I'm sure, you know, there are thousands of spurious lawsuits filed all the time. Judicial Watch is well known as an organization that files, though. I understand, though, that lawsuits can be filed. Um, I would just say I don't think there should be a permitting process for putting banners up on City Hall. I think that would create the problems that are being brought up here. Um, I don't think this is a slippery slope. There have been banners hung on the building for years. And I would just add that if the council doesn't want to be, you know, the banner uh, approval authority, then it's on the councilors not to introduce a lot of resolutions about banners. So that's all I'll say. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor
3: Beers. Any other questions? point of information, Mr. President? Uh, yes, you get a point of information from Councilor Marks. Uh, Mr. President, I did have a resident reach out to me that uh, is employed with the City of Boston, and uh, they did mention to me that uh, when the City of Boston has a policy in place that when they uh, put banners up, it's usually a message from the mayor. And that's how they've been able to work it. So they put out a message from mayor, whatever it is, and then the message. And that may be something that could be in a policy. I I don't think anyone's saying no. I think what we're saying is we'd like to see what the policy is. And I would disagree with my council colleague if he doesn't think a permit or a policy uh, should be in place. Um, You know, City Hall is one building. Uh, are we going to do it in, on the school buildings? Are we going to do it on the police building? Are we going to do it in our fire stations, our library? I mean, we can go through the list of, of buildings in the city. Um, so I, I think it is only prudent to, um, you know, be careful as we move forward, Mr. President.
2: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Councilor Pierce.
19: I don't disagree that we should have a policy. I'm just saying that if we created an open permit, then we get into these First Amendment questions, which we're currently not facing However, the mayor would like to uh, approach this. I'm happy with, and personally, I would be fine if we hung a Black Lives Matter on Black Lives Matter banner on every municipal building in the city.
2: Thank you, Councilor Peers. Councilor Cavier, Vice President Cavier.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, you know, um, Council Max brought up a little bit about uh, it took us four years uh, to move out of the VFW because of a sign where people didn't feel comfortable going in there to vote, and this council took the correct action. And we moved out of there because uh, because of the sign that was on that building. Now to put another sign on City Hall, what message is that do we send to people now? That that's where Mike and Jim, Mr. Clerk, if you want to weigh in on this, uh, I mean, you you were here when, when we when we battled with the VFW to take the All Lives Matter sign down because because people weren't comfortable going in there. So again, that's uh, again, uh, you know. It goes to the point of uh, uh, who do we offend? I mean, we, we offend everybody with every sign we put up now.
2: Thank you, Vice President Carriello. Any other questions or comments from the council? Okay. Uh, there are a number of people that have a hands raised, so it's, um, uh first one would be, uh, I believe it's Matthew Page Lieberman. Name and address to the record, please.
22: Matthew page Lieberman, 15 Canal Street. You can hear me? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, I just want to really, I appreciate everybody that has said that they've evolved on this issue over the past few years, especially want to acknowledge, uh, you know, Council Beers and and Council Morrell. I'm not a politician. I'm not an elected office, but my policy tends to be, it's better to ask for forgiveness, you know, than than to look before you leap. Because especially with this council, people could spend months before they set up meetings. Therefore, I think... um, I think the people should support this. You could do both. You could say, this council, we support that banner. This council would also like more information about what's acceptable in the future. But I do have a question. I just kind of want to understand this resolution. This council is not voting on if the sign goes there, right? Is this, or is this council saying, we suggest that you put it at City Hall? Can, can somebody yep. clarify?
19: It would be that we suggest or ask the mayor.
22: There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's no violation
4: of not, uh, any sort of information council night. That's not what the resolution says. It has a directive language in there. It says will what, what
22: what's it exactly say? And and it as it's resolved account, that the
4: city the city of Medford will hang a banner reading Black Lives Matter on the front of Medford City Hall. Okay.
22: And well, Zach, would you be willing city to take, amend city that city
4: take this action now?
19: It says also.
22: Is, is, there a, is there a possibility to amend that and turn it into a suggestion? I,
19: I, believe, I believe that given the fact that, as we've already been told and said, uh, the mayor has control over the building, that functionally the language as existing serves as a suggestion to the mayor.
22: Okay. Well, I guess that's an interpretation. I don't know. But anyway, I completely support the motion. Thank you so much, uh, Zach and Nicole.
2: Thank you.
4: Point of of clarification, Mr. President? Point of clarification, Councilman. So, is the sponsor saying that the resolution doesn't
19: mean what it says, or it doesn't say what it means, I guess, is the question here? I'm saying that we we will do this, and then it would be, you know, the mayor is the one who makes that choice.
4: Well, thank you for the clarification.
20: Okay,
2: thank you. Uh, Let's see, we have, uh, next up is uh, Kelly Kuna. Kelly, name and address to the record, please.
23: Hi, my name is Kelly Cunha, I live at 20 Walter Street, Um, and I'm just going to read off something. So um, while I can truly appreciate the very real and scary threat of the billboard battle zone that Councilor Marks passionately referred to, I think there are some things that are just more important than dissecting the particular messages the city chooses to support and not support. As of yet, I haven't heard anyone deny that Black Lives Matter, or that Black folks have 400 years of receipts of a history previously touched upon by Councilor Morrell that repeatedly showed that their lives have not and do not matter, slavery and Jim Crow to name a few. And this um, hanging of a banner is one small, and also if it isn't backed up by real action, totally performative action that we can take as a city to just start the repair of years of damage um, and harm that has been done to Black folks in this country and in this and in our own city. Um, and Rick Carviello, uh, Councilor Carviello, you had mentioned that, what kind of message are we sending by hanging this banner up? And I think it's pretty clear. The message is Black Lives Matter. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Point of information, Mr. President, I, I support the message. I'm not saying I don't support the message, but we've, again, people didn't feel comfortable for going into the VFW to vote with all Lives Matter sign. So do you, do you think people are, are going to feel uncomfortable? walking into City Hall uh, with the sign-up. Again, it's it's a slippery slope here that we're gonna go down now. They say we, we, it took us four um, years.
23: So I think that the, the message All Lives Matter is a, is a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter, which has been, I mean, I, I don't, I think everyone here has heard the argument of why All Lives Matter is, is a problematic, and I'm not gonna spend any more labor trying to explain why all Lives Matter is incredibly racist and problematic. Um, they're two very different things, and I understand what you're, you guys are trying to get at, which is that this is controversial, but the only people it's really controversial to are racists. So I'm cool with racists being offended by a banner um, on City Hall. I'm cool with it, and I hope everyone here that the, the city voted for. My daughter is three, and we walk around Thank the city and her favorite game her favorite Point of, game
2: of is- information got marks.
23: I don't know anyone that said
3: that this is controversial, Mr. President. We're asking that we find out what the policies and procedures as an elected body, Mr. President, it's up to us to do our homework and our due diligence. And before we just vote on something to vote on it, we should find out what the policies and procedures are. That's how elected officials act in their course of duty. So no one is dismissing anything and no one is saying there's no value or merit to this. We're saying we have to do our due diligence.
23: And, well, Counselor Caviello did just compare all lives matter to uh, Black Lives Matter. I was responding no, point
0: specifically. Of, point of to that. Okay, thank I, you. I, I fought diligently to take that sign down up at City Hall for four years. Okay, so I and then say and then we finally had to move out of there. But let's say I I led the charge in, to take that sign down there with the VFW.
2: Thank you, uh, Vice President Carviello. Oh, We have not people that want to speak. Um, let's see, uh, Marshall, you're next. Name and address for the record.
20: Marshall Mutno, 33 Watervale Road. Uh, thank you all for uh, discussing this. I think uh, I agree with uh, Mr. Page Lieberman. Um, I think that there is precedent. This, the council has passed many things that are requesting the mayor to do something. Um, I, I think there's no harm in doing that. I would love if uh, Dave Rodriguez uh, from the mayor's office could comment on the process. For example, the I think it's the high school graduation congrats banner, how did that get up there? Um, I think uh, those types of community uh, uplifting and solidarity uh, banners belong on City Hall. Uh, and so I really appreciate this motion uh, to recommend to the mayor that uh, her office hangs this banner. Um. Thank you, Marshall.
2: Okay, uh, Dave, did you want to comment on that?
8: As, as far as I'm aware, there's no formal policy that's in place that, that governs the placement of a banner on the front of City Hall. Um, I can certainly look into it. It's mostly just on um, past practice, Uh, but we can certainly look in and dig in a little bit to see if there's ever been a formal policy in place. But as I'm aware, there is not one as of now.
2: Thank you, Dave.
4: Point of information,
2: Mr. President? Point of information, Council
4: I do believe the informal policy of previous administration was um, only city-sponsored events, if I'm not mistaken, but that might need to be clarified. But I think that was um, the ad hoc policy that was adopted by the previous administration.
2: Thank you, Council Knight. Okay, uh, let see, Joanna, name and address for the record, please.
24: Joanna Twenty Mejia, uh, 35 Early Ave, Medford. Um, thank you, um, thank you, President Felco. And thank you to all the councilors, actually, because what I hear from all of them, I think is that they they understand that Black Lives Matter. I think it's very important that we support are people of color and, and the Black people in Medford. And also, I would just like to point out that Councilor Marks spoke of Washington, D.C., and maybe the mayor could reach out to Somerville and Arlington's mayors because they both have a banner on their city halls that reads Black Lives Matter. And so I'll leave it there. I am for the banner. I would like the banner to be
2: hung. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Alyssa, name and address for the record, please.
7: Hi, uh, my name is Lisa Ledato. I live at 74 Marion Street in Medford. Um, I want to thank Zach for raising this um, issue and starting this conversation. Uh, I think it's a really important one, and um, I support hanging the banner. I know some of our um, adjoining towns do as well. And it doesn't feel like at this time um, you guys are voting to hang the banner just to support the hanging of the banner. So I don't see that it's this huge thing that involves like policy and and rules. If you support it, then do that. And if you don't, then don't Uh, vote your conscience and do you. And that's all we can ask of our elected officials. So figure out what that means to you and do that thing. Um, But I personally am in support and I want to thank you for even having this conversation. I think it's important that we're having it, uh, that we're publicly having it and that um, some people are happy to make their opinions known. So thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank you, Lisa. Okay, we have... um... I apologize if we get this wrong. Tayani Goulart? Name and address to the record, please.
25: Tayani Goulart, High Street in Medford. So I would like to start off by just thanking Councillor Bears and Councillor Morrell in speaking out and I would like to speak out in my support of hanging a Black Lives Matter sign. So my position is that I definitely appreciate City Council's position in wanting to follow certain procedures in terms of uh, hierarchy or actions or processes, and I would like to challenge and remind that a lot of our procedures and policies are built under systemic racism and white supremacy in our country, in our communities, in the city and state that we live in. So I, I would ask that at this point, along with this conversation, we also talk about how these, um, how how the process of checking double checking and clarifying things is part of an oppressive system and part of delaying things for folks. So I just really wanted to take the opportunity to point that out Um, and the question about what message are we sending for voters sending to voters. I also um, think that it's really important to say that what we're saying is black lives matter and it's really important to to stand on a position. so I fully support this and I really appreciate everybody that's speaking out.
2: Thank you. Uh, Rick Orlando, did you want to speak on this? Rick
18: Orlando? Hello, John, uh, Council President and uh, the other Councils. Thank you for your discussions tonight. Uh, as I listened to Councilor Mark's I think uh, he was very sincere, and I didn't uh, detect in his statements a feeling of discomfort with the Black Lives Matter uh, banner. I think what he's just making a point is that there needs to be an understanding of how we proceed forward as other requests come up. Uh, I've heard over the past week people talking about other types of banners, and they don't need to elaborate on all the different types, but they have many different political positions and and various things of that nature. And putting the city administration to be be the arbitrator of which ones should be put up and which ones should not can cause problems. So I I think some of the points that Councilor Marks brought up, I think he was sincere, as I said, on his support of Black Lives Matter, i think it's just a case of understanding how we move forward so this doesn't become problematic for the city and for the residents of the community thank you thank you
2: okay uh, is it Dan- dana rockman
24: hi yes um, can you address for the record please dana rockman pitcher Ave, medford can you hear me yes Uh, Thank you, uh, uh, President Falco. Thank you to all the council members who have spoken. Uh, um, You know, I think that one thing that I've been really, I have a Black Lives Matter sign, or I had a Black Lives Matter sign in my front yard. It's been stolen twice, right? There's a Black Lives Matter sign, I think it's on Route 16. It's been defaced a bunch of times. Um, And so I think the one thing that's poignant is that you know, every time that sign gets stolen, I'm going to put it back up. And it's not really about me. It's about the message that there are people in our community who are through those actions saying, no, they don't, right? And so I think that as a community, if our mayor, if our building, we say, yeah, they do, right? So it's, and I, I you know, I think that I hear there's this concern about regulations and, and other, um, you know, uh, uh, other Organizations that may want to hang signs, um, Arlington is dealing with that issue. Somerville is dealing with that issue. Fenway Park is dealing with that issue on the side of the Mass Pike. And if they can cope with these things, I'm, I'm thinking we could probably figure it out as well. Uh, I have I have faith in us. Um, and lastly, I think I just I just want to say, you know, I, I think that right now we're at a critical rather we're, we're at a critical point. Um, COVID has really shined some some huge lights on some of the inequity in our co- in our country, and I. I think that I would ask the council members to think about how they imagine themselves at, at these critical points in history. How do you imagine you would have reacted to segregation? Which side do you think you would have been on? Um, and I ask you that because I think that that's where we are. And where do you want to be in history? How do you want to be remembered? What side do you want to have voted on? And yes, it's a banner. It's, just, it's completely symbolic. But in some ways, it's, it's saying a lot more. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank
2: you. Uh, We have Kit Collins. Uh, Name and address for the record, please.
26: Hi there. Yeah, my name is Kit Collins. I live at 42 William Street in South Medford. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's spoken so far. Thank you to Councilor Bears for bringing this resolution. Um, I too support the motion to hang a banner reading Black Lives Matter on City Hall. Um, and just to echo some of the sentiments that have already been stated, but just to reinforce them with my voice. I believe that this is not a political statement. It is a statement in support of basic civil rights and the right of every person <laughs> and like resident, to enjoy freedom and safety in their community. I think that when we say Black Lives Matter, we're affirming in some way, you know, the same values that we affirm when we lobby the city council for safer streets. It's an affirmation that we're not okay with the fact that for some people, because of the color of their skin, their life is more difficult, it's more precarious, more dangerous for them. Um, It's an affirmation that we are not okay with that being the case for anybody in the country or any of our neighbors here in Medford. Um, It's an affirmation that we are a city where we want everybody to enjoy freedom, joy, safety, security. And uh, to the point that, you know, I think that there are concerns about the message being controversial, it being provocative, it making certain residents feel uncomfortable. Um, You know, I would say to those people and to anybody who's hearing from their constituents those concerns, if you think that black lives matter means that white lives don't matter or that they matter less, um, then you can just read up on it. Just google the movement for black lives and like read over the website because that's really not what it means. And anybody who takes that kind of issue from this language is simply misinformed. Um, It's really simple. It's about civil rights. Um, And this is the language of a movement for civil rights. I wanna live in a city where we're not afraid to voice our support for that. Um, And then I want us to back it up with real substantive action. But like Nicole said, and a lot of people after her, um, we gotta do the simple language thing first. You know, we gotta prove that we can do that. It's simple to do that. We should do it. Let's do it. And then let's get onto the harder, more important stuff. Thanks. Let's get. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Sherry Foley. Name
2: and address the record, please. Sherry, we can't hear you. We can't hear
4: you, Mr. President. We do have fifteen additional items on the agenda as well. Yep. I
2: Um, Sherry, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move on to someone else, and I'll come back to you in a minute. We'll try to see if you can get your, uh, see if we can hear you. Uh, Let's see, we have uh, Eileen Lerner. Name
21: and address for the record, please. My name is Eileen Lerner, and I live at 9 Adams Circle in Medford. And I just wanted to say that you all began this meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance, in which you say with liberty and justice for all. Don't you? And what is Black Lives Matter saying except that Black people should be included in the idea of liberty and justice for all? And we all know, we all know that Black people have not been included in that vision of America. And so what this is saying is that we want them to be included. We want to love them. This message is about love. And if people are uncomfortable with this message, if they think it's controversial, well, I don't know what to say to them. I think they have a lot of work to do to educate themselves because what they should be uncomfortable with is the horrible treatment that black people have been getting since this country became the United States of America. And I just want to say that I'd wholeheartedly support putting the banner on every public building if we could, but certainly the city hall. It it declares a moral message that we all need to know. And it includes everybody in the city instead of, you know, liberty and justice for all shouldn't just mean for white people. A welcoming city shouldn't just mean welcoming for white men. We need liberty and justice for all. Black Lives Matter, hang the banner.
2: Thank you, Eileen. Okay, Uh, let's see. Anthony D'Antonio, name and address for the record, please.
12: Anthony D'Antonio, Hicks Avenue directly across the street from the Columbus School. I simply request that you reject the hanging of not just this, but any and all political banners and our flags on Medford City Hall. There should only be one flag flying on City Hall grounds, one nation under guard with liberty and justice for all. Sad to say, in the current cultural and political climate, there may soon be a resolution to remove it. I would hope to hear a counter-resolution declaring a prohibition of any and all political banners on City Hall. And Black Lives Matter is a political movement. Dr. King never demonized the most egregious segregationalists, nor did he condemn all white people and demand fealty at any cost. He did not espouse destruction of the country. He sought to uplift it in the face of physical assault, threats, incarceration, and the deaths of civil rights volunteers. He endured and prevailed in uniting Americans of every race to join the civil rights movement, all done peacefully, unlike what is going on today. At the very least, the resolution should be tabled until citizens are allowed to voice their opinions in person at a meeting. City Hall should be the landmark for all of Medford's citizens without favoritism shown to one group over another. Please leave that building unadorned. Every citizen in Medford has the right to exercise the First Amendment right to free speech at City Hall. Whether in the form of protests and rallies outside the building or in attending city council and school committee meetings inside the building, please do not capitulate to those who are intent on dividing residents of Medford into those who support their socialist progressive ideology and those who do not, labeling and harassing those who disagree as racist. That is not progress. Thank
19: you. Thank you. Mr. President.
2: I, w- I want to remind everyone, uh, in, every, everyone's been pretty good. So I want to just remind everybody, you have a minute and a half to speak. Um, so that's just a reminder. Everyone's been pretty good about staying to that. Consul of Bears, you I believe I heard your voice.
19: Thank you. Just a short, uh, short message. I just want to read from the letter from the Birmingham jail uh, by Dr. King, which is, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Ku Klux cleaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, and who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods. So let's not talk about Dr. King in such a way. Thank you, Mr. President.
2: Thank you, uh, Councilor Bears. Um, let's see, we have a. Uh... Jennifer Kerwood, name and address the record, please. You have a minute and a half.
17: Jennifer Kerwood, 43 Willis Avenue. I just want to state that um, the mayor herself has declared um, racism a public health crisis. And therefore, this is not political. If there were other things that were put up in order to pass information regarding other health issues or things like that, I think no one would have any issue with it. So. Given that, let's forget the, the fact, this isn't political, this is about community, and that is what y'all have been, uh, you're supposed to be representing us. And so that's all I just wanna say. So I'm in support of the banner, or at least what's happening is a request for the banner, just to clarify. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Let's see, uh, Sherry, we're gonna try you again. Uh, name and address for the record, Sherry? You have a minute and a half. I just unmuted you. You got me? Can you hear me? Fire away.
17: <laughs> okay. Sherry Foley, 69 Linwood Street. Um, I, too, was also going to mention how this has been declared um, a health crisis by city officials. Um, so it's a little different than a pro-life banner or another or Second Amendment writer, something along those lines. But I think everyone is tending that are so against it, It. They're confusing the message with the organization. So, I mean, if people have such an issue with Black Lives Matter, what I always prefer is it kind of dumbs things down for some people. It's something along the lines of all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. I mean, it, something needs to be said instead of saying the right thing and then moving along with the same course of action. I mean, that's just the reality of the world we're living in. So... That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, let's see here. We have Rebecca Schmelling, Rebecca. I lost Rebecca, so I, Rebecca, if you can raise your hand again, I'm sorry. Okay, we'll move on to Derek Anderson. Hello? I
16: just found her and
2: unmuted her. Okay, uh, Rebecca, we'll go with uh, Rebecca Sh- uh, Schmeling, and then we'll go to Derek Anderson. Rebecca Schmeling, you're on. You have a minute and a half.
27: Thanks. Um Rebecca Schmeling, I live on Salem Street in Medford. Uh, I just want to kind of address the idea of a slippery slope that's been brought up. Um, I think that if you go back in history, you could have made that argument for a lot of things. I mean, when our country was founded, saying that women should vote was pretty slippery, slopey, and uh, controversial. (laughs) And uh, as we move forward, uh, you know, Martin Luther King also said the arc of justice uh, bends up. And so, you know, I'd like to think that we're adding to what we don't consider to be controversial. And, you know, if you want to go down the slippery slope of putting other banners up of people who have been oppressed for hundreds of thousands of years, like you want to put Native American rights on City Hall, I'm happy to go down that slippery slope with you. Um, I just think that, you know, you can't make the argument that it's a slippery slope because if you have an actual grievance like Black people in this country do. It's not the same as if you just have a political idea. Um, and, you know, I study politics in college. The politics is personal. So you want to talk about how Black Lives Matter is politics. Everything is politics. Politics affects everything we do. Uh, everything the mayor does is political. So putting a sign supporting the Black people in our community is not going to um, make anything more political than it already is. And just, I think I have a couple more seconds, one more thing. We are talking a lot about how people didn't elect, you know, pe- the mayor and the counselors to be um, political or controversial. We elect people to do things, not to not do things. And so, you know, this is a way to actually do something. So thank you for your time.
2: Thank you very much. Let's see. Uh... I think I'm still unmuted. Yes, Derek Anderson, you're up next. Name and address for the record, please.
6: Uh, Derek Anderson, 16 Myrtle Street. Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Uh, I'll try to be quick. I, uh, first of all, support um, the recommendation or or hanging of the Black Lives Matter sign on City Hall. I hear what some of the counselors are saying. I would certainly uh, support Uh, The mayor's office creating a policy which, uh, you know, pro, uh, which tries to prevent the worst of, you know, such, uh, you know, certain signs that would actually make City Hall a place that's not welcoming for folks. I certainly encourage that to be done. What I would strongly encourage of of City Council is that we move quickly. This is an important moment for civil rights. This is a long overdue moment, and... uh, this is not something to let sit and push around to other people and say, it's not our problem. Um, let's, let's do the best we can with getting a policy in place and let's get that let's sign up there quickly.
2: Thank you, Darren. Thank you. Okay, we have, uh, let's see. MC, name and address for the record.
28: Hi, this is Grace Caldera. We're on my husband's account. I'm at 33 Governors Um, I just wanted to take a brief minute to say that I am obviously a Black citizen of Medford. And it's really disheartening, as a Black person living in Medford, that we're having this discussion about whether or not to put a banner on a public place in somewhere prominent that says that I, as a citizen, and other Black people matter to this, to this city and to our country. And this debate is going on as if we are debating my humanity and whether or not I have the ability to live in such a city where people are okay with saying that I, I matter, my family matters. And I just wanted to say, just wanted to appear before you to have you hear this. Because to me, the banner is a symbol, but it means so much more than that. And I wish that you could all understand this and feel it the way I do.
2: Thank you. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. Any other questions or comments? Mr. President
6: uh-huh. First,
2: let
29: me, let me, uh, thank you, Mr. President. This is, it's difficult doing, uh, our meetings in zoom by phone. It's terrible. So you don't want to, at times if someone's speaking, you have a difficult time to try to jump in. So I, I, I appreciate and, I understand the Black Lives Matter uh, statement, and it means so much because, as I talked about uh, in many meetings, and the the discussion that I've had with my my friends uh, of color, and talking to my uh, um, black colleagues and, and, and former players and players, and talking about you know the the actual Black Lives Matter uh, banner. It it it's funny how you can hear. Uh, I forgot. I, I, I apologize. The last speaker who just spoke, you can hear the the intense um, hurt in, in her voice, and that breaks my heart uh, because as I talk to my friends that are black, and we and we debate these um, these these concerns or or lack uh, lack of uh, lack of concerns you get, it it, it it falls into two sides. And that's what you're seeing happening in our community right now. You have people like uh, the young lady who just spoke where, you, you know, how, how, how dumb are we when it's affecting people in our community? How could we not want to support the Black Lives Matter sign? But at the same time, to bring, to bring in the, the politics of this, you do have organizations, and my friends of color, that have told me they felt that they're using this, this statement as a political movement, whether it's Medford, whether it's not in Medford, as I talk to them, there is a divide. There's a divide in the black community about the black lives matter from the people I've talked to, my friends that I've talked to. And and, and it's it's sad to the fact where I'm getting texts right now from black members in our community. I won't say their names that are telling me that all lives matter means it should be should be thrown away of course it should be i would never ever use the All lives matter in the the context we're speaking in right now because we are we do have racial issues in our country but i think it's important that we still have to understand this this is a governing body that wants to support everybody in our community but we also want to make sure that, like council said, we go through the process. And, again, it's, it's, it's comical because in, for me talking, it's, you've got to be careful what you're going to say. And I've said this when I first started running for office. I'm going to do what's right in my heart for what I think is best for the city of Medford. When I was a school committee member, what's best for the kids in Medford? Now it's what's best for everybody in Medford. And I have to live with the decisions I make, right or wrong. But it's comical that in a past meeting that I had hundreds of phone calls from my former players and my friends of color that had said, George, you real, why didn't you respond to that woman that, that called you a racist? And I said, Jeez, I'm sorry. I ha- my dog was barking, and I happened to let my dog out, and I, I, I couldn't defend myself. And I find myself sitting back saying, to use my background... And what I've done for people, white, black, yellow, green, what I've done for people, I would never use as a platform. But when it affects your family and it affects your kids, and, and they, they're, they're being t- t- talked about or brought out for, for something somebody says that people that don't know each other, it's not dividing this community. And this is uh, the point that I'm trying to make is very simple. Black lives do matter. And as I stand with my friends of color, th- they know George Scott probably knows that as a city councilor. I know that I want to follow the process that council marks has put forth, but again, Medford needs to start to heal and we need to start to bring, bring Medford back together again. There's the reason why everybody moved to Medford. Medford is a great community. We love Medford, all of us, all of us, whether they, you're, you're fighting for your, your you know, um, your, your own social causes, or whether you've lived here for 30, 35 years, it doesn't matter. We have to find a common ground to, to bring Medford back together, because I've heard so many people, the disappointment in, in our elderly, in, in our people that have just moved to the city, to say that, why are we so divided? We need to come together. So we need it from the leadership. Now the mail will p- follow this process and then we will follow this process and if the Black Lives Matter sign hangs in Medford and, and that now sends a message to all of everybody in our community that we stand together with black lives, that's the process we went through and we should all be proud of that. But at the same time, to say, anybody to say that this isn't a political statement this is what's dividing us because a it is and then b the people that are looking at it the other side they're not looking at it as how to help our black brothers and sisters it's being looked at as to say well let's let's look at our uh, that that political group that's breaking our community down and it, in, in a sense yes it does make some people look racist and i don't think that's the intent Unfortunately, I'm not naive. Racism does exist. But I tell you, when I talk to my friends of color, and I talk to them and how, how, how sad it is when they tell me that their kids are afraid to go to school because of one reason or another, or white, our, our white kids are afraid to go to school because they're put on a list that they, they, they've used a, a racial, racial slur. It's 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 dividing this community. We need to find something that's going to bring this together. So if we can follow through with Council Marx's suggestions and we we make sure we dot our eyes and dot our eyes across our T's, and that's the, the, the resolution that we now hang the Black Lives Matter at Method City Hall, and that's the way we go, we need to find a way to stand together and heal. And stop dividing. So believe me, I, 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 I work in the community that first put that banner out. And I'm telling you, whatever you want to think, whether you're white or black, I heard from every single, uh, every single color that came to talk to me that looked at that as a platform instead of what's really intended for. And it divided people in that community, both black and white. And black people were for it and black people were, for, were against it. So this this isn't this is bigger. This is made up bigger than it than, than it really is, and it has, and it shouldn't. So all I all I, I beg to everybody in our community is let let this take its course, and then let's find a way to all come together and heal, because when we voted on making um making, um uh, announcing uh, racism a public health emergency, I voted no on that and I got feedback because I'm racist, but here we are, here we are a month later. And like I said, nothing has been done. As a community, we've done nothing to bring people together. I've asked for our black com- uh, leaders in our community. I've asked for our black leaders in our schools to find a way that we can meet together. With social distancing, with the COVID, we could use that excuses to a blue in the face. But we need to meet together with the police chief, the superintendent of schools, the the mayor, the city council, the school committee, everybody that makes the decision so we all understand how we need to heal. And I know one council said, shame on you want, you want, now you want people to, people of color to teach us what's wrong? Yes, we need to. Because our color of skin does not match theirs, and we've never lived what they're living through. So I apologize if I'm uh, overly winded, Mr. President, but um, I thought I knew that had to be said. So thank you.
16: Thank you, Councilor Scott Kelly. Council Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. I just want to reiterate my point that this is not a political statement, this is about human rights. The Office of Special Counsel found that Black Lives Matter is not a political statement, and to say, that it is a political statement is, is, is something that you're able to do when your life, your lived experience, your day in, day out is not impacted. And it's a privilege to be able to say, hey, that's political. Whereas for everyone else, for the people affected, it's a human right. So thank you. Thank you.
29: And again, Mr. President, I'm going to say, if I can interject, and I appreciate Councilman for saying that, but it's easy to say what you just said. But the truth of the matter is, it is a political statement. Unfortunately, it is. We can all say it's not, but unfortunately it is. Both are on both sides. So we need to find a way to get through this and stop healing from that. We have to acknowledge this stuff
2: and move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Uh So let's see, we have... Um, Councilor
19: Beers? Very quickly, this is not in any way an attempt to divide the city. I think what's dividing the city is decades, if not centuries, of unaddressed discrimination. This is an attempt to heal. I can't say it any better than grace about how important this is to so many people that we do this, so let's do it. This is the action we can take. Thank you, Mr. President.
2: Thank you, Council of Bears. Uh, Diane Sullivan, name and address to the record, please.
24: Yes, hi, sorry about that. Uh, thank you, President Falco. Um, Diane Sullivan, Jerome Street, West Medford. Um, I too stand in support of hanging a banner at City Hall. It seems the very least that we could